0: Hi.
1: Hi. Uh, Welcome to Sip. Survive. And repeat. I'm Jenny. I'm Danelle.
0: And I'm Kenny.
2: Woo! Yay! This is a story about survival and wine that I'm not drinking. What? And I'm just not drinking wine today. I don't know.
1: Are you drinking something else?
2: I didn't bring any beverage up here with me in my bedroom.
1: What the oh, hell?
2: I just grabbed my computer and ran. Do what you, need are you to, guys do drinking? You need,
1: do you need to pause to get something? Are you okay?
2: No, I'm okay. Whatever.
1: Okay. okay. Sure, sure, sure. Um, okay. I am drinking again from the Boda box <laughs> because I drink, I like to take sippers from the box all evening long. Mm-hmm. Um, I can never count how many exact glasses I've had because... It's just like a little smidge here and a little smidge there. So anyway, it's Boda Box. It's the Red Volution, which is the red blend. Uh, I definitely recommend it just because it's inexpensive, it tastes good, and it lasts a long time if you drink a lot of wine. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's it's so good. Yeah. I I was shocked whenever I
1: I like the black box too. Is yeah, I, I like the black box? box. No, black box is different. I like theirs too, and I like um Wine cubed, which is a Target situation, I believe.
2: I haven't tried that one. That'll be next on my list.
1: There you go. Uh, Kenny, are you boozing it up?
0: Uh, I have some hot tea with me right oh now. Oh
1: my! You guys are the lamest. Last week you had soda water. Is there
2: something you want to tell us, Kenny?
0: Describe I just it? have no. I just haven't been drinking that much lately. Try not to, at least.
2: Oh. oh first part good. of
0: quarantine, I feel like I drank too much.
2: Yeah, uh, it was like a free-for-all for all of us.
0: Because there's like uh, end to the work day, like usually it's you know, going home. But now it's like, okay, like let's crack open a couple beers every night.
2: Right. <laughs> it adds mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Well, and we also recorded on Monday. Like I just kept drinking on Monday afterwards. So I woke up with a hangover on Tuesday. <laughs> so I think that's
1: why I'm a little slow moving this week where I'm like, eh, I'm gonna wait a couple days. Yeah. Well, this is we're recording two episodes in one week. Because basically I didn't have my shit together last week, I think was a problem.
2: One of us didn't. It's yeah, it's either Jen or I is, one of the two.
1: One of us is always just like, what?
2: I what haven't day? prepared
0: anything.
1: <laughs> it's hard and like
2: I said this last week or last episode is it's sometimes it's hard to find stories. Like yeah, it's not like it's like all published out there and you try to find good creative ones and it can be yes. a challenge.
1: It can be, especially if you don't know if you've already done a story or if your co-host has done a story, (laughs) like this week. So basically Mm -hmm. everyone, I, um, I definitely feel like me or Danelle has covered the story I'm doing today, but if not, I feel like maybe it was on my favorite murder. And so it's just like stuck in my head from that. Um, yeah, I can't, I I I really can't, uh, I hope that's it. Um, but if I've done it or Denelle's done it, like, I guess let us know. But at this point, it's too late. I'm doing it. No, just enjoying the,
2: the rework of it. <laughs> whatever. It's too late now. Don't let us know. We don't oh, care.
1: We don't give a shit. It's quarantine time. Anything don't goes. Go. Whatever. You guys, I'm wearing the Beats again and I can't hear myself. It sounds so weird in my head.
2: Um, mm. Those are intense. How are they to work out in?
1: I love it, but I feel like it's dangerous. Like, I wouldn't take them on the mean streets of, like, a city because you yeah. sh- can't—you cannot hear shit coming. But I live in the country and in a neighborhood where, like, the only people that drive through here live here. So when I go on, like, my walks, because um, I've been trying to get my 10,000 steps a day, when I go on my walks,
2: like. Damn, girl.
1: Mm, when I go on my walks, it's like I can't hear anything and i only know a car is coming because sedona will turn around and look at it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm that like, could oh. be a little dangerous, but you're not like riding a bike or anything. I well, feel like I'm, that's Yeah, and i again, i just feel like there isn't that much traffic that i'm like worried someone's going to mow me down in my neighborhood. So, yeah. but we don't we don't have sidewalks um because again, we live in the country. Um so no one has sidewalks. So it's just i'm on the street. And me and Sedona take up like one whole side of the street because we like to spread it out and I don't care.
2: Well, they can, they can ride around you. So
1: that's right. That's right. Um, quick update. I think it's only been a couple of days cause we recorded Monday, but, um, I hit eight pounds on Weight Watchers.
2: Jenny, that's amazing. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. It's insanity because I keep eating things that I'm like well this is gonna make me go all the way back up to my original weight and then it doesn't because I don't let one meal ruin my day just go with it
2: that was my problem too where like I would have one bad meal and then I would just be like well I'm gonna eat this whole tub of ice cream now (laughs) where now I'm just like oh I can have an ice cream bar and it's not gonna ruin my mental the diet that I have mentally prepared in my head Yes. um yeah I'm actually a huge fan of this thing like we talked about before I did not weigh myself since Monday so I don't know but
1: yeah I'm I felt, gonna... I weigh myself my scalp I weigh myself <laughs> when I when I feel skinnier so like I woke up this morning and I was like I feel skinnier so I weigh
2: myself That's, but that keeps you motivated like I went running yesterday and I should have weighed myself this morning but I just was it didn't happen
1: you want to hear something hilarious yeah um, I guess it's not like hilarious but Declan my four-year-old he um he weighed himself yesterday morning and he weighed 37.8 pounds and then he weighed himself last night before he got in the shower and he weighed 36.2 and I was like How- huh
2: what? huh
1: I'm like little kids lose weight during the day because they're so active like just he's just out Non-stop. of his mind yeah, yeah. I was like, maybe we should drink more water. So I'm so, I'm like, what? At the end of the day, I could weigh like five pounds more than I do in the morning. Like, let's be honest.
2: That's crazy. Yeah. But
1: little kids, metabolism. Mm. Damn it.
2: Must be nice.
1: Must be fucking nice. Ah, (laughs) Oh, who should go first? Um, I don't know what your story's about. You just sent the name of the person.
2: Um, my, uh, Kenny, what do you think? Mine is.
0: We'll go you, know.
2: Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. So that gives me some my... time to get lubed up over here. Oh, good. Um, so my story is the story of uh, Pepita is her name, and this like is it. how
1: I wrote it out. So I had to
2: really think about that. Um, <laughs> Pepita, Papita Nichols, I'm guessing, and I, I got both. I got my information from a website called uh, whim.com and then also this podcast called How I Survived, which is kind of my go-to for some stuff. Uh Um, So Pepita, it was 1997 and she met her husband, Robert Ridgway on a boat trip with her girlfriends. So she was single and she's like, her girlfriends are like, let's go on this like boat cruise. They live in Australia. I'm sure it was like all sunny and hot. And so she goes on this boat cruise and it was like a love at first sight when she saw Robert. He's from the United States. And they, he, they struck up conversation. He was very like mysterious and handsome and also single. And three months later they were married. So they hit it off. Shit. Okay. So, yeah, so three months into the marriage, Pepita did start noticing a little, a couple small red flags, like Mm -hmm. nothing big, just that Mm -hmm. Robert was a little short fuse, like he had kind of an edgier side that he would get irritated easily and stuff like that, but nothing super alarming. Mm -hmm. Um, So at this point, they were still living in Australia, and this was about six months into their marriage, and they were at a party. And she was just having a good time. Dancing with this other guy. Um, Not like in that way. But she actually thought he was gay. And so it sounds like they were like. Out on the dance floor. Like just like fast dancing. Like anybody normally would do. Uh And Robert did not like that. He was very jealous. So on the way home from the party. He was like screaming at her. And yelling at her. And he ended up um, hitting her in the face. Uh -uh. And he bruised like the whole side of her face. And split her lip. And at one point she said that he was also like speeding up the car really fast as he was yelling at her. Mm -hmm. And at one point she was just like, stop the car, get me out of the car. Like, I just want, like, just get me out of the situation. So he ends up pulling over and physically kicking her out of the car.
1: Ew. Um, Okay. Wait, pause, pause for one second. Uh Um, Where I live is kind of, there's like some big Hills before you get to our neighborhood. And Donald Mm -hmm. like thinks it's hilarious to speed up really fast on those Hills. And, I, and you guys know my stomach isn't great. So a cu- there's been a couple times where he's done it so fast and so annoyingly that as soon as we pull into the driveway, I jump out of the car and puke in our driveway. No way. Yes. I'm like, and I've told him before he was like cracking up. I'm like, I will punch you. And I not obviously like this guy punched this lady, but right. I'm <laughs> just like, I don't want to get home and throw up in our yard. Like that's not, like it's, it's funny maybe before. the fr- it's not
2: funny but like I'm sure at first you thought maybe
1: fine, it
2: would be like the little stomach tickle that you get if you go I, up mean, it, hill. I mean it's kind
0: of funny I'm smiling over here
1: uh-huh. <laughs> not, not, not multiple time, say, times but
0: so one time yeah one time would be very funny one <laughs> time's funny time.
1: and i I think he forgets in between puke sessions um but anyway I just that just reminded me that of speeding really fast and then my reaction is to just throw up. He would just throw up on him. <laughs> Which
2: would I mean, be a good reaction. Next time, do it on him. And yeah. Never I, do
1: it again. Exactly. Because I would do it in his car that's his beloved. So, yes. Yes.
2: Okay. And I I mean, <laughs> we've all been in fights before, but imagine being in like a speeding car and they had no. both been drinking. Uh-uh. So, everything's heightened. Um, so, after he physically kicked her out of the car, her parents were about a, a mile and a half away at this point so she just walked to her parents house and because they were both drinking and it was like the first incident she ended up forgiving robert Mm. and just kind of like shook it off like he apologized and um she just thought maybe it was like a one-time thing and so for over the next 10 years he did not lay another finger on her so a huge long period of time had gone by where he still had his quirks and his moments but he never like physically abused her or anything like that again okay so over these 10 years they had three kids they moved to the united states um she ended up starting a successful business in the states and robert was actually a scientist he was also an inventor on the side so he like did like all sorts of like she said he would always be like taking apart microwaves and like re i picture like the guy from *Honey*, i shrunk the kids like like just (laughs) like some dork and like the garage like taking apart everything but not as nice as the dad and honey I shrunk the kids okay right. right, so every so often she would notice that Robert could be very selfish and manipulative and that again she would see glimmers of that different side of him but still since he hadn't like he kept his word and never like went to that place again she just brushed it off so fast forward to 2011 they took a family trip to Las Vegas and This was the second time that Robert had got physical. So it happened again. So it was early in the morning and Robert went downstairs to the hotel room to like the buffet or whatever is breakfast and got the kids Mm. all something to eat himself, something to eat and and, like coffee and juice and milk or whatever, and brought it back up to the room. But he didn't even ask her like if she wanted anything or like he didn't bring her anything. He just got himself kids stuff. Right.
1: I'm um, hungry in the morning. You better bring me fucking food.
2: Right. You like have have just, like,
1: coffee and a banana and be like, I didn't know what else you wanted. Like, just think of me while you're looking at food.
2: Right. Like, like, exactly that. Like, just a banana. And she had made a joke after he did this. Like, I mean, could you have at least brought me a cup of tea? You yeah. know? Like, mm-hmm. and she said he lost his shit on her.
1: Like, the, he
2: flipped out. And he was verbally and physically abusing her, screaming at her. He was telling her that he could have done better, quote, and, um, oh, I put put my notes, quote, he could have done better, quote, I could have done better. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What Um, a dick. So basically, he was just saying a bunch of dickhead things to her, and it turned into a huge explosive fight. And after that fight, she simply said to him, she said it became very clear to her. She said, listen, if you're going to treat me like this, I'm not going to stay. Like, I don't have to stay married to you. We'll just get a divorce. Like, I'm not going to be with someone who treats me like shit. And he said, she said that he looked her straight in the face and said, if you divorce me, I will kill you. And she was like, oh,
1: oh, excuse me. Oh, aggressive.
2: You will? Mm -hmm. Okay. So after they got back from Las Vegas, they're still living in the States at this point. She said they didn't speak to each other for a week. And she said throughout this week, like, he never apologized. He never, like, owned it or acknowledged what he had done. But he was being very polite to her. So, like, for example, I'm totally making this up. but I'm just, like, picturing, like, ways that, like, my husband's polite to me to, like, whatever. Um, so, like, if I'm, like,
1: <laughs> get not out that of he's doing this. But, I mean, like,
2: <laughs> like he would go over the top. Like, if she was, like, loading the dishwasher. He'd be, like, no, 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 honey, let me get that. Oh, or, like, that's so
1: annoying. Let me take out the garbage. You fucking apologize. That's what you need to do. Yeah. It's, Um, it's very, it's two words. It's I'm sorry. Right.
2: And they never discussed the incident again. So Mm.
1: after this,
2: of course, things went back to normal. And she just could not shake the incident in Las Vegas. And she consistently thought about leaving Robert. So that was when that was in, what did I say? 2011. So a few years passed now we're at 2013 and her, she, her and Robert and the kids decide that they're going to move back to Australia, but secretly she wanted to move back to Australia because she felt isolated and want to be close. She wanted to be close to her family. They were all, they were still married at the time. And so her and the kids moved to Australia first. And then three months later, Robert joined the family. Um, she said that immediately when Robert came to Australia, his behavior became even stranger. He was enthralled with conspiracy theories, which, I mean, listen, I'm a fan of conspiracy theories, but if you're living and dying by them, it's yeah. a problem. Um, He even started, like, doomsday prepping. Like, he just got into some really weird... It's, it's fine to have, like a plan of attack I guess or like some canned food in your house but like he was like in it so I'm picturing him like in his backyard like burying things maybe I don't know but she said he was just like balls to the wall end of doomsday prepping and also conspiracy theories so the final straw happened when her and Robert got into a heated argument one night and he grabbed her by the shoulders. And was getting physical with her. And she thought to herself. This is not the man I love. This is not the person I married. And she said that night she did two things. Number one. She called a domestic violence hotline. And they told her to get in touch with a divorce lawyer. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. number two. Which I thought this. i am Not that I'm judging her. But I just. I don't know how old the kids were at this point. She actually moved herself. Into. They had a 1967 vintage caravan parked outside of their, um, they had like a little coastal home Mm -hmm. in Australia. So they had a caravan, um, kind of like an RV parked outside. And she was like, I cannot share the same bed with this person. And I do not want to be in the same house with this person. So she moved into the caravan for like just temporarily. Um, so two weeks later, so she's living in the caravan And she ended up writing Robert this long email stating that she wanted a divorce. And this was like on a Thursday or Friday. And that that Monday, Monday, she was going to see a lawyer. Hmm. So that weekend, of course, Robert just turned on the charm. Like he always did. He pleaded with her um, to give him one more chance. He seemed desperate, you know, to fix their marriage and he wanted to go to counseling and do all these things uh-huh. And she was like, fine, we'll go to counseling, you dirtbag. Because maybe <laughs> there's still hope that... I, I hope that's how she said it. <laughs> I know, I hope she said it like that too. She was hoping that maybe there was a glimmer of him, his old... The person that she married was still in there and that she fell in love with. But they got into like a little tiff before the um, the counseling session. And she said she knew, it was clear as day. She knew that nothing could save their marriage at this point. And she then met with a divorce, divorce lawyer, like the following day or whatever. So after she met with a divorce lawyer, she noticed, uh, she got home and she was like hanging out her little makeshift house in the caravan. And she noticed Robert was like hovering around her caravan. And, and he was often like doing like piddle paddling around the yard because he was always like taking stuff apart and inventing things, whatever. So She thought nothing of it, but that evening when she went inside the van to fall asleep, so it sounds like she would have dinner in the house and whatever, and then she would retreat to her van. Um, She went into the van, got ready for bed, and fell into a deep sleep, but around 2 a.m., she woke up to a weird hissing noise coming from under her pillow. Hmm. So She couldn't figure out what it was, and she said it was quiet enough that it could go unnoticed, but it was still loud enough that if you really, really listened, it was a consistent like noise. So, was it a she got out gnome? Of, it wasn't a gnome and it was not a snake, which I thought right. at first that's what it was. Oh, God. Okay. Um, he put a rattlesnake in her bed. Ah! Um, so, getting out of bed, she went outside to check the back of the caravan and she noticed a hose was snaked down from one of the windows. Mm-hmm. So, she followed it back inside in the van. And she lifted up her mattress and saw that the hose had been duct taped all the way to her pillow. And she saw that there was a, a shirt also had been stuffed in the vent of the caravan to keep the fresh air out. Oh. And so she followed the hose all the way to the garage. And it was connected to a gas cylinder. Of and course. basically she put two and two together and she was like, this motherfucker's is trying to kill me. Oh. And he ain't going to get away with it. So she said, barefoot in her pajamas, she quickly dashed to her brother's house, who was just down the street. He lived like three streets down. And she felt crazy and hysterical, but she knocked on his window to get him up. And once she explained to him what was happening, he thought she was nuts. And then she said, when she called 911 or 000 in Australia, she said she actually Uh called 911 first and then realized, like, oh, I'm not in the United States anymore, I'm in Australia. Um, she said they almost didn't take her serious at first, but, um, right. They were just like, ma'am, it's three in the morning. What are you talking about? Like, it was just, she had to convince them to come to the house. So her brother went back to the caravan with her and they waited for, and she showed him like the hose and the cylinder. And he was like, yeah, you're right. This motherfucker is trying to kill you. the police show up about an Uh hour later and, um, Robert was arrested at the house but he was released the next day. Ah, so she's freaking out at this time where she, you know, yeah, he's staying with relatives. He doesn't go back to the house, but she sets up like surveillance cameras and gets all the locks changed. But she was super scared during this time, but he did not like, he left her alone after this first murder attempt. Um, so it was a month later where he was finally, uh, charged with attempted murder (laughs) and June of 2018. Uh, Robert Ridgeway of 64 pleaded, not guilty. Of course. Um, basically what he said when they arrested him was, he was like, I'm much smarter than that. If I'm going to kill my wife, I'm going to do it. And it's going to work. Like, I'm not going to tie up some makeshift hose to the caravan. And they're like, yeah, but sir, who did this? Like she didn't yeah, do it like, to who herself. Else wanted herself. Like, yeah. Who else wanted her dead? He also tried to get her to sign off on will papers. Um, so like life insurance papers, uh, after they had met with the counselor, he tried oh. to like get her to like sign everything over to him. So it clearly was him obviously right so um let's see so he the court let's see oh okay so it took the jury over an hour to find him guilty and he was sentenced to serve only 10 years in prison he did try to appeal his conviction but it was rejected by three judges so she this is in 2018 Mm-hmm. So he's still in jail, and she said that um in an, in in an interview that she's thankful that he's behind bars and she hopes that he will change while he's behind bars. She's obviously moved on and they're divorced now and everything. but she said that she is nervous for when he gets out, but she feels like ten years is a suitable time frame. And again, I'm not victim anything, but I feel like if that happened to me, I would want him behind bars a lot longer than that. but, She's just excited that he got 10 years. Right. Um, So her mission now in life is to help other women. And she wants other women to know of the signs of abuse in a relationship. And she said that if one woman could safely escape a dangerous partner, she's happy that she shared her story. Um, And I really, so this story caught my eye whenever I listened to it on the podcast, because I feel like right now with all this like lockdown stuff, if you're in an abusive relationship, like, where do you go? What do you do? Yeah, Like, yeah. that's so scary. So if you do need help, there is the Domestic Abuse Hotline, which is 1-800-799-7233. Or you can Google, it's called the Hotline.org. And it's kind of cool. So when you go on there, so I was like trying to scope out because I wanted to at least like attach a message to this. They give you, so when you go onto their website, it's interesting that you get this pop-up that comes up and it says safety alert this computer can be monitored and is a possible way to basically they're saying like someone could be like your spouse that's abusing you, or if you're in a bad situation can know that you've been on the site. So they give you directions on how to erase this from your computer's history
1: from visiting
2: the site, which I think is really smart. So basically they tell you like, you know, where to go in the browser (laughs) and how to get it out of your computer's history. Um, so if you are in a bad situation, you can call that number or go to the hotline.org or call the 799-7233. So one 800 7233 if you need help. Hopefully you don't. And hopefully if you do, you can get help. Yes. And that is the story of Papita Nichols.
1: Wow. On, I'm saying her name right.
2: So she, whenever you giga- say
1: pepita, it just reminds me of pepita seeds that I want to eat. I've never heard
2: of those before. What are those?
1: Pumpkin seeds.
2: Oh, they are. I didn't
1: know that. They're little. Are... I don't, I don't really understand them, but they have them at like specialty stores and they're fucking delicious.
2: Oh, I thought it was such a pretty name. I'm like, pepita. Cause I wanted to look up how to say her name cause I didn't want to mess it up. So.
0: Mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. is
2: a story Papita and how she escaped him oh and she also said like don't be afraid to like she's like I was so afraid to start my life over and she was like it's fine everything's going to be fine you can start over it can happen for you don't be afraid to get help so yeah. that's kind of her message and she wish she would have you know listened to the red flag sooner but sometimes you just you don't know until it's almost too late so thankfully she well, Investigated that
1: hissing noise. <laughs> yes, yes, that's very true. Um, I also feel like sometimes there was so much space between the red flags. Yes, I,
2: I mean he had get... good behavior for
1: ten years. Yeah, that's like a, that's a decade, you guys. Math. That's a long time. Yeah. Well, I'm glad so, he's is he still in jail? What he's years? still in
2: jail? Yes. Okay, so 2018. Good. So he's got ten years. Cool.
1: Okay. Good. So yeah, if you hear a hissing noise, it's either a rattlesnake in your bed or someone's trying to kill you by gas. So,
2: but you should check either
1: way. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. <clears> hmm. <throat> do. Oh God, I'm in the middle of my story. Oh yes, I, I gotta scroll this shit up. Hold Skippity on. Bop. Oh God. Okay. Shockingly, without planning. Mine is also from Australia. Oh, yeah. Aussie's in the house. Uh, Okay, so mine is mostly from, I like this, news.com. Oh, that's basic. (laughs) News.com.au, which I think is the Australian, you know, thingy that you put at the end. Um, And I'm doing the story of Kate Boyer. Uh, I felt like I hadn't done a true crime situation in a couple episodes. So I thought I better bring it on back for my true crime lovers because yeah that's my we love it. That's my original love. Um and this podcast kind of grew from that because we want to take a positive spin on it. But sometimes it's just fun to cover survivors that do weird shit. Anywho yeah. okay so Kate Moyer was 17 years old and um she was kidnapped by Australia's worst serial killer couple. Oh god. So, um, okay. Best that betting good. Mm-mm. No. No, no, no. Um, let's see. So, a lot of this article is about um a show that she ended up doing. It was her first TV interview in 30 years since um, escaping the uh the, the couple which their name was bernie's so it was um it was very strange all right let's see i just want to get to a good part
2: uh so la, 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 la. was it like when she did the interview was it like an oprah like an australian oprah or was it like just a news outlet
1: i'm not 100 sure because it said it was going to be on seven which i think is the channel seven
2: Oh, okay, so maybe it's like a local news type
1: yeah, interview not, story. I just don't know not. if she
2: did like a, a network situation or if
1: she... Yeah, I don't know what that means in Australia. So, If you're um, from Australia, let us know. Give us a shout out. Um, so she was 17 and during her abduction, she endured three rapes, hours of terror, and mm. constantly calculating the odds of her living. Um, Because she was pretty sure that she was going to get killed. Uh, All in the hands of David and Catherine Burney. Let me go down to Catherine and David Burney. I got some Let's
2: hear about these pieces of shit.
1: Yes. Okay. David John Burney was the oldest of five children. Um, He grew up in a semi-rural. I'm putting air quotes because I don't know what that means. Suburb uh, of Wattle Grove, Western Australia. So, all you Australian people, I hope that's a place. Um, they remember the Bernie family as being dysfunctional. And when I say dysfunctional, rumors were swirling that the family was full of promiscuity, alcoholism, and everyone's favorite, incest. Oh, God. hmm Yeah when David Burney's parents asked their local priest to conduct a wedding ceremony, so this is the uh, kidnappers parents. uh, The priest was very concerned because he was concerned about them being a potential couple because he said that their union could never lead to any good. Oh gosh. They were bad.
2: Even the priest knew they were bad news.
1: I'm like, damn, but this is, (laughs) this is the guy's parents. Like, so his parents were awful. Right. Okay. So he knew nothing good was gonna come from this relationship back yeah. then. They were an a seemingly unsuited pair. Uh the father, so uh, David Bernie's father was a man of very small stature and very unattractive in appearance. And I'm like, Jeez. okay. I mean I, this is this part's from Wikipedia. Um <laughs> And the mother, so David Burney's mother, was known for her coarse manner. She often used profanities and had bad behavior. In fact, she often exchanged sexual favors with taxi drivers as payment for fares. okay. That'd be like if I got an Uber and was like, oops, sorry, my credit card's declined.
0: What you want? But I won't
1: decline you. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, gross. All right. Um, So... David Burney's school friends said that their house was filthy, Um, the family never had meals together, and his parents did not cook meals for the children, ever.
2: Oh, that's sad.
1: Yeah. So in the early 1960s, um, David Burney's parents decided to move the family to another Perth suburb, and that's where he met Katherine Harrison through mutual friends. Um, and Catherine will become his wife eventually. But let's keep talking about David and all of his amazingness. Uh, at fifteen, <laughs> he left school to become an apprentice jockey. Oh,
2: oh, okay. Like,
1: like riding the horses.
2: Like a riding horse jockey. Okay. Well,
1: which makes sense because I guess his father was of small stature, so I'm guessing maybe he was of small stature. You have to be little if you want to be a jockey. Like you cannot. Yeah, be they're
2: big. very little.
1: Yes, because you can't you can't weigh a lot. That makes that slows the horse down. Yeah. So um so in his time there though, this makes me want to hate him even more. He physically harmed the horses, which (gasps) I'm like, fuck you. I find you and kill you. Um he also developed a habit of exhibitionism. What does that mean? (laughs) Um flashing his junk to people.
2: Oh, because everyone wants to see that.
1: Being naked, being nudie. Uh, in yeah. fact, one night, David broke into the room of the elderly lady where he was boarding. So he was, like, staying at the house of this elderly woman, and he was naked, and he had stockings over his head, and he tried to rape this poor elderly woman. Oh, my gosh. He was not successful, so let's be happy about that. But, yeah, he liked he liked to get his his junk out. Uh, by the time he was an adolescent, he was convicted of several crimes, uh, and he was in and out of prison for most misdemeanors misdemeanors, and felonies.
2: Yeah, he's bad news all the way around.
1: Yeah, As an adult, he became a sex and pornography addict and also a paraphiliac, which I had to look up, because I was like, what the fuck's that?
2: Yeah, I don't know what that is.
1: It is someone who is interested in sex that's dangerous. So, okay, that's, that's all I have on that.
0: My guess was okay. sex with people in wheelchairs, but... <laughs>
1: It's, it's dangerous or like, uh, like sex that is dangerous to other. I don't know. I looked it up and now I, I didn't write it down. So my bad. Okay. He married his first wife when he was in his early twenties and they had a daughter, Tanya. And the whole thing with our, our survivor of this whole thing, um, Kate Moyer, uh, this all happened when Tanya was 10. And Tanya basically said that she never got married, she never had kids, because she didn't want to bring another David Burney into this world. Wow. Yeah. hmm Okay. So, Catherine Margaret Burney, nay Harrison, which is the, the woman, the wife in this whole thing, uh, she was born in 1951, and um, her mom died when she was just two years old giving birth to her brother, who her brother also died just two days later. Um, Her father, Harold, was unable to raise her by himself because it was the 50s and men were unable to raise children. Um, (laughs) Sent her away to live with her maternal grandparents. Uh, But when she was 10, uh, Harold regained sole custody of Catherine. And then at the age of 12 is when she met David Burney. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. By the time she was 14, she was in a full-blown relationship with David Burney, and Harold begged Catherine to leave David because she was getting into trouble a lot with the police, and her father, Harold, was like, nah, girl, you need to... Mm -mm. Um, So his disapproval only strengthened their union because teenagers are the worst, and um, her time in prison throughout her adolescent years offered her a chance to wait to break away from david so eventually she um she was encouraged by a parole officer which was a, a teen to um begin working for the mclaughlin family as a housekeeper so i don't know if the mclaughlin family is like a famous family or what but whatever yeah and she yeah. ended up she ended up marrying donald mclaughlin on her 21st birthday they had seven children oh God. seven children together that's a lot of kids.
2: That's a um, lot of
1: kiddos. But in 1985, she left her husband and her children and went to live with David.
2: Naturally. Okay.
1: Abby. Um, and the couple was never legally married, but Catherine did change her name um, to Bernie once they were living together. And it said it was, she changed her surname by deed poll. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> I don't know anything Sounds about great. I don't know anything about this stuff, but I don't know if that's an Australian thing or, like, a life thing that I'm supposed to know, but that's what it is. Anywho, so now we're back to uh, Kate Moyer. And Kate Moyer basically, again, was 17 years old. She was drinking when she wasn't supposed to. Mm-hmm. As many 17-year-olds as do. As we all
2: do. We did. She was,
1: oh. And she was leaving a bar. Um, she had She was with her friends. She left a bar and she was too drunk to obviously drive home. So uh, a car pulled up with uh, the Bernie's in it, Catherine and David, and they asked her if she needed a ride. And of course, because it's a couple,
2: you trust them. I mean,
1: I would have. It seems safe.
2: Mm hmm. even if it was just a female, and not trying to sound sexist, no, if I it agree. Was just a female in a car, I feel like you're more likely to trust them than just a single guy in a car.
1: Yes, agreed. So, this is when things got weird, and Kate knew she was in trouble. So, she gets in the car, um, and she remembers hearing um, Catherine say, have you got the munchies?
2: Okay.
1: That phrase was a sick sign to Catherine's husband david that they found S- their that they found their target
2: stop it that's disgusting
1: so basically if she if they picked up a girl that Catherine approved of um she would say i've got the munchies which basically meant you can have this one meaning you can rape this girl and kill her wow so kate moyer um the abducted girl said you know you're gonna die but you don't acknowledge that to yourself you just live it and she said um, she had to relive the two hours that led up to her first rape so mm-hmm. they, thing. the one thing I did want to mention too is like they drove her to her house like her parents house where she lived she's 17 years old and she tried to get out of the car again she's drunk she tries to get out of the car there is no handle on the inside of the car Ooh.
2: cue the doo, 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 yeah creepy
1: like the, so, the thought t- through your mind after realizing that terrifying, terrifying. and then katherine says oh sorry just use the outside handle so kate reached her hand outside to undo the door from the outside handle that was also missing mm. Then they drove her from her parents' house back to their place. Like, total psychology like, fuck. What? And they have this down.
2: Like, yeah. they've done this. Clearly they've done this before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so when they get to uh, the Bernie house, sh- they quiz her about who she is. Then, they, mo- they make her watch a uh, movie, which is Rambo what? I was going to say porn, but okay. No, it's 1986. I don't know when Rambo came out, but I mean, it was the 80s. But yeah, they made her watch Rambo, which I was like, ugh. I mean, no offense. I mean, I I like Sylvester Stallone, but whatever. And then they made her take a shower. And Kate Kate was like, I remember thinking it was really weird that they were making me take a shower before they raped me. Yeah. I, I concur with that statement, but maybe they like... A fresh, a fresh victim. I don't know. Gross. I don't know.
2: You would think afterwards to get rid of any evidence or any, you know. But yeah. they
1: also knew they were keeping her. So right. So, they also made her dance in front of them, to dot di- to dire straits, Romeo and Juliet.
2: Wait, I wonder. I can't think of that song. I right can't now. think
1: of that song either. I need to look it up. But um, keep going. Just, I'm going to look just, it up. Just making making them. Making her dance for them?
0: Love Story That's... by Taylor Swift?
1: No, Dire oh. Straits. It was 86, Kenny. I,
0: I, sorry. Was
1: Kenny.
0: I, I forgot the year. Back Together,
1: man! It's <laughs> not <that> a Taylor <laughs> Swift song.
0: There, there's <laughs> one and Juliet in it. I, I just kind of phased in and out of that conversation. Mm, honest. Mm, mm. <laughs> well, go on, go on.
1: And again, Kenny is super young. Um, okay, so it was two hours of mental torture... Um, and she cried when she danced because she was so upset about having to do that. Aww. And I've talked about that before. Like there's been other, um, attacks like this where they make the women dance and I'm just like, it's so oh. degrading. And it's so, very so just, it just,
2: it makes you, I would imagine it would make you just so insecure and it puts you in a space exactly where they wanted to put her.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, um, there are some, some math that I think me and Danelle would agree with. Uh, she said, I had a 200% chance of dying and a 5% chance of getting away. And I was like, mm, yeah, yeah, that's the math I like. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that does not yeah. have Good girl. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Makes no sense to me. I don't here. know. I don't know what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> um, so he raped her for the first time not long after midnight. And the creepiest part of that is that Catherine Burney, his wife, watched – and took notes.
2: Oh God!
1: Like, does she have like a fucking steno notebook with her?
2: Yeah. So about? weird.
1: Took notes. So gross. <sighs> After he raped her the first time, they made her take another shower. They then changed okay. her to a bed. Hmm. Um. At some point during the evening, well, I guess it was night she convinced them to give her a pen and paper so she could write goodbye letters to her loved ones. See, and another
2: psychological
1: just mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And she began screaming. Um, so he told her that the sleeping arrangements had been changed and he moved her to their master bedroom where rapes continued. Uh, he then handcuffed her foot to his foot and then told her yeah. to take the pills he gave her to go to sleep. So basically he gave her some sort of sedative. Make her go to sleep, and while she was chained next to him, chained to his ankle, which is fucking weird. Like, and she's in the master bed with David and Catherine and the wife too. Yep, super creepy. Okay, awful.
2: So you like, h- it
1: can't get worse. It gets worse, <laughs> but then it gets worse. Uh, she hid the sleeping pills under her tongue, and then when they were asleep, she took them out and stuffed them under the mattress.
2: Good girl.
1: Okay. She said, I thought if I went to sleep, I'd never wake up. Mm-hmm. Probably true. So in the morning they told her she had to call her parents and her whole plan was she was going to tell them again, she's 17. She's like, I'll just tell them I got really drunk. They're going to be really mad. And then they're going to start searching for me. So that's what she did. She told her parents that she got really drunk and she was hoping they'd get really mad, but they didn't Oh okay. the search. The search wasn't on. They didn't know. I'm like okay. I I like I, a cool, like I like parents, but like I don't know. I if I didn't come home, and my parents would have killed me. They would have been yeah.
2: Well, my mom, yeah, she would have been upset. But
1: if she, yeah,
2: maybe. Um, I feel like you need a code word for your kid. Like Again,
1: we've talked about this before. Like not even for yeah. your kids. Like a code word. In Wait, general. what was ours? We actually spaghetti dinner. Hey, I have do. a spaghetti dinner oh. on Thursday. Are you gonna come?
2: No, I'm busy. I can't mm. Mm. see. I forgot that that was our code word. Maybe that's why it doesn't work. Okay,
1: get it Oops. together. You How would have many called
2: spaghetti- me and I'm like, I have a spaghetti dinner. I'm like, I'd be like, and you okay, good like for no. you. okay, great, Jenny. Bye, <laughs> Jenny. I'm watching my carbs quit.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so the next day, David Bernie went to work, and um, Catherine was her only like block to get. To escape this whole situation. Okay. So she's like, all right, my odds just got better because the dude is gone. And I don't know, again, I'm, I'm assuming he's little, but he's still a dude. So he probably has some sort of. Yeah. Of
2: um, and she's a teenager. She's not. Yeah.
1: So there's a knock on the front door and it distracted Catherine. Um, and it was, of course, Catherine getting a,
2: a drug delivery. <laughs> yeah. Oh, naturally.
1: No, that's what it's gotta like do. the Amazon of the 80s. That's right. <laughs> um, so at this point, uh, Kate Moyer saw her chance to escape. So she had not been restrained at this point because uh, the restraint she had was to uh, David because she was handcuffed by the ankle to David. So she was like, OK, cool. I'm not attached to anything. So she broke the lock on the bedroom window. She opened the window and she jumped out.
2: Uh wow, good okay.
1: She landed on the driveway hitting her head, which was a little bit of a shock, but she got up and she started running across the road to the nearest house. She knocked on three doors. Nobody was Mm-mm. home. I'm like, God damn it. So oh. awful. And to make matters worse, because you know this just keeps getting worse, at one of the houses when she was trying to knock, a dog came out and attacked her. Oh, my gosh. This seriously is the worst story. Okay, but it's okay. She's hysterical barefoot and wearing just black leggings and a singlet, which I'm like, what the fuck's a singlet? Do you know? Is it like a bodysuit? A
2: singlet? It's like, um, it's what wrestlers wear, I think. Okay. Like the, the span, it's like a spandex.
1: Okay. She's wearing black, black leggings and a singlet. And she suddenly sees a store catty corner to where she is. So she ran to a man who was standing outside, and she said, "Help! I've been raped. Please take me inside and call the police." And she also said, which is very smart of her: if a woman comes here and says I've had a fight with her and I'm her daughter, don't believe her. I've been raped. So she was thinking that Catherine was going to come after her.
0: Yeah, and be that like was that's
1: very my very smart, very smart. So the guy actually took her to the local police station where he pulled up so fast that they stopped in a cloud of dust. I'm oh like envisioning this in my head. I'm like this guy, yeah. I like him. Um and so now it's her chance to make the police believe her, which she was a little concerned about,
2: which should never be,
1: I know. But it was the 80s. Something, I don't know.
2: I know, but nowadays I feel like it does I feel like happen. that
1: wouldn't fly. Every now and then. But it then does. It happens, yeah. yeah. Too much. So she she comes in, she says she's been abducted by a couple who had taken her back to their house and raped her, and they were very skeptical at first, but a 22-year-old constable, who is a rookie, obviously, she's 22, named Laura Hancock, believed her. And the reason that she believed her is because there was so much detail that Kate was able to provide. She was able to actually tell them the address and telephone number of the Bernies. Oh, wow. So. It's weird because the Bernies had actually given themselves aliases, but Kate read David's name on a medicine bottle when she was in the bathroom showering.
2: Oh, gosh, this
1: girl is like five steps ahead of them. Mm-hmm. She then told uh, the constable, Laura Hancock, that they watched the movie Rocky on VHS and it was still in the VHS player she said she described a drawing that she had concealed as, in the house as proof of her presence. Remember when she was writing notes to loved ones? Yes. Mm-hmm. She hid one of those in the house. She also told them that she had spit out pills that she had been given and hidden them in the mattress. It's and when they went DNA. to the well, house. Well, in the eighties, there was no DNA, but still the fact that she knew they were, would be
2: there, obviously is proving yeah. that she was there, but.
1: So all that stuff was there, and so they were able to arrest David and Catherine. But during their interviews, they gave conflicting information. Catherine denied ever meeting Kate Moyer. And David insisted that Kate Moyer had come to their house voluntarily Uh, to engage in consensual sex. Right, because what (laughs) teenager wants to do that? Yeah. So the great news was Detective Sergeant Vince Kadich, hopefully I'm saying that right, Kadich, Uh, He convinced David to confess. And at that time, David also revealed that they had also abducted four other women and killed them. So
2: So she's lucky she jumped
1: out that window. Kate Moyer would have been their fifth victim in the course of five weeks. They killed one person every week.
2: (gasps) And saved so many lives. How long would Mm -hmm. they have gone on with that?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So uh, they were sent to trial. David Bernie pled guilty to four counts of murder and one count of each abduction and rape. And they asked him, why'd you plead guilty? And he looked at the families and said, it's the least I could do. So he looked uh, at the families of okay. the victims in the courtroom it's the least I could do. All
2: right. Don't um, really give a conscience now.
1: Right. So he was sentenced to four terms of life imprisonment. Thank God. Um... And Catherine Burney was also sentenced to four lives, four terms of life imprisonment. um, And both were required to serve at least 20 years before they were eligible for parole. So no, don't even let him be eligible. I I don't think that's a thing in Australia, but you guys can let us know. Um, So initially, David was held at a maximum security Fremantle prison. Um, But he had to be moved to solitary confinement to keep him from coming uh, to harm from other prisoners. So, like, obviously other people were, like, pissed about what he did. Like, I don't know how old the other girls were that they they raped and killed. Um, He stayed in that prison until it was closed in 1990. And uh, apparently you can still see the cell that he was held in. Uh, If you take the true crime tour held daily at Fremantle Prison for anyone who's interested in that. Wow. Um, the Bernies, Catherine and David, exchanged more than twenty six hundred letters while they were incarcerated, and what? they were not al- they were not allowed any other form of contact. Uh, wow. This piece of shit, David, was found dead in his cell in Casarina Prison on October seventh, two thousand five. Um, he was fifty four years old. So, basically, he pussied out and killed himself yeah because he's an awful person uh various factors led to his suicide uh he was deprived antidepressants so i guess i shouldn't call him a pussy because i'm on antidepressants and they do help uh so he was denied his antidepressants and exacerbated his depression uh his computer had been confiscated and he also was suspected of sexually assaulting another inmate
2: wait his computer had been why was he on a computer to begin I,
1: with i don't know do prisoners in australia have com- computers maybe
2: they shouldn't
1: agreed uh Catherine was not allowed to attend his funeral and i'm like probs not yeah yeah <laughs> C- uh katherine is imprisoned at bandy up women's prison and she has worked as a prison librarian and appeared in a prison production of nonsense
2: mm. how mm. lovely
1: Her parole application was rejected in 2007. Uh, It was reviewed again in 2010. However, in March of 2009, the Attorney General uh, followed the requests of the victim's families and signed an order that Catherine would stay in prison for the rest of her life. So no more parole hearings for her. Thank goodness. Um, So... uh, The uh, Kate Moyer, the final victim who survived, who this whole story is about, um, she began a campaign to end Western Australian laws that automatically put a convict up for parole every three years. So I guess, again, Australia has some sort of every three years, we're going to put you up for parole. Um, And in 2017, Catherine's youngest son, Peter, called for her execution. He said that his association with Bernie has resulted in being assaulted. And he supports Kate Moyer's campaign, uh, to stop the parole hearings. Um, so all in all, that is a story of Kate Moyer, a survivor who is now speaking out after 30 years of, I guess, silence. She really didn't want to be in the spotlight for what happened to her. Um, but she survived a couple that killed at least four people. There are some speculations that they killed, uh, more people than that but that's what they had confessed to and were convicted of so that's the story wow. of Kate i
2: don't yeah i don't think we've ever done that one i've heard okay. it i've
1: heard that story before <laughs>
2: i think my favorite murderer did it i but think they did too i don't think we so,
1: did okay that's great good job hey thanks hey thanks um kenny you want to tell us some weird news
0: i got it uh, so a man with back pain went to the hospital and found out what it's in Brazil, if that makes a difference.
1: Mm. I'm going to say that they found, wait, has he, mm, he had back, <laughs> he had back pain. Mm-hmm. Did there they find was. some sort of weird bug in his back.
0: That's Ooh. what I was going
2: to say. Was there something, like, sucking, like, stuck to his back or in his, oh, embedded wow. in his skin?
0: They actually found out he had three kidneys. What? Oh. Which is super rare. There's fewer than 100 cases reported in medical literature.
1: Wow. Hmm. Okay. Was he able to, like, donate one? Yeah. Um, what do you do with
0: it? I don't think they're doing anything with it. This is a lot of medical jargon in here, but... Mm. It's like, okay, so usually each kidney is connected to the bladder through a single duct called uh, ureter. Okay. That's pronounced right. In this man's case, though, one of the pelvis kidneys was directly connected to the bladder via ureter. I don't know Mm. what that means. Nope. So it sounds like he needs all three to function. It's just like, it's different. (laughs) I have no idea. Interesting. But yeah wow.
1: Okay. Okay. That's crazy. Okay. Um, my friend donated one of her kidneys to her dad. Oh. Isn't Aww. that sweet? Yeah, and that is sweet. They're both doing great now. And I'm very happy for them because I've known her since like middle school. So and I've known her dad obviously since middle school then. So a very kid- sweet. Kidneys. kidneys are crazy, you guys. Mm-mm.
2: Thank God we have two.
1: Or three, if you're this guy. Or three. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, I love it. Well, thanks you guys for tuning in. This has been Sip Survivor Pete. I'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Bye Bye.